1: Hello and welcome to episode three hundred and twenty-seven of the Win Six podcast. I'm your host Adam McGee, and joining me as always—it's my good friend Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. How are how are you doing? How are you uh, navigating these booksy waters? I've got i I've got a, a,
0: a <laughs> social media post <laughs> with water just going. Foo, foo. Yeah, I've got to be honest, I
1: don't I don't miss doing day-to-day stuff whenever I open up Twitter now. I'm like, oh, well, thank God I can just scroll on past or close the app <laughs> as opposed to having to write and engage with this. So uh, I respect it. I mean, on a, this is now expected to start even, but it's just come to my head. Um, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel had... Uh, Beat writer Jim Ozarski had a tweet yesterday. I don't know if you saw this.
0: I don't think I did.
1: He was basically comparing his experiences, um, which previously had been in other sports and with different teams, not just in the state of Wisconsin. I think the Bengals as well. He might be on the Bengals beat. Yeah, um, and he yeah. was mentioning like having gone through like like McCarty, and he's never seen a feeling towards a coach as what he's seeing with books fans on twitter and i just thought that was a really you know sometimes it's nice to get an outsider's perspective someone who's still relatively new to it and is just there dazed by the frenzy of the takes flying back and forth uh it's really a badge of honor
0: that uh that (laughs) online bucks fans
1: can wear (laughs) I remember when they weren't like that. But anyway, that's for another time. Um, oh, we missed those days. <laughs> I, when I say I remember, I can remember, Jordan. I'm not saying I lived through much of them. My time following the books has <laughs> very closely mirrored the time where things have, you know, got angry online. Um, maybe that's Maybe that's how I've managed to keep going so long, Jordan. Maybe I was the man for the moment. What we're going to talk about on the subject of people getting angry about the books online. We don't get angry anymore. We're uh, sensible. Um, maybe a well, That's <laughs> definitely true. Um, maybe just a little too measured at times for some people's taste. But we're going to talk about all of the problems with the Milwaukee books right now. And try to work out, you know... Are they really problems? How big are they? Are these things that are bumps in the road? Something that is pretty kind of apparent and concerning in the moment, but could be fine, what, three weeks from now? Something like that when the playoffs start? Two and, and a half,
0: three weeks? I think their last um, game was the
1: 16th. Right, okay. So, yeah, but two and a half, three weeks. Um, and we're going to work through some of that because I think overall, they've been. See, I want to say they've been pretty good recently. Not quite accurate, but I think there's been a lot of good stuff in there, more than possibly at previous points in the season. Without necessarily it always being converted, without necessarily them getting the results, and certainly with moments like um, most recently their fourth quarter against the Atlanta Hawks that send everyone into complete another frenzy, just just meltdown about. What is going on? This is all going wrong. And can it be fixed? Will it be fixed? Where do we go from here? So let's work our way through some of the things of concern. I'll throw it to you. I mean, we can alternate on things that we, we feel are relevant to talk about here or that we are ourselves concerned about that are keeping us awake at night, Jordan. But what do you, what do you want to start with? What to you is kind of issue number one with the books right now?
0: Um... I would say Chris Middleton. Okay. Another touch point of... of <laughs> Yeah, uh, the culture <laughs> wars. Online discussion.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't have gone Chris number one, but he wouldn't have been too far behind. My read, and we were sharing this um, just off air before we started recording, on things with Middleton is I think there's quite a lot of good play that's there for most nights there's something or there's a stretch where you're like okay Middleton looks like himself and then a lot of the rest of the game he looks nothing like himself my read on it right now is though and you agreed before we started on this you feel to seem to be seeing the same thing is that The way he's playing is a little reminiscent of the first season under Bud, where he was dramatically changing his game, where there was kind of obvious and clear signs of trepidation at times of not knowing entirely what he should or shouldn't do. And with that, I guess we could say, maybe he's not entirely certain of his role or confident of his role within the offense or... What's his to do? What's Giannis's to do or Drew's to do? Like, one, I mean, you might as well tell people on podcasts rather than just me off podcast, too. where do you stand at that? And more importantly, why do you think that is? What do you think is, I guess, the issue that's forcing him into a spot where maybe there is a little bit of uncertainty and we're just seeing a very different version of Chris than we did last season, for example. I think
0: Drew is at his role and how it's grown larger little by little over the season. I think that has played a big role in Chris you know we we talked about him I mean how many years now. He's a rhythm player. And that season was notable in that like he was still good. I obviously it was his first All-Star season but even at the time I think we made the, the argument that Bledsoe up until that point could have been the Bucks' all-star. He was that fantastic. Brogdon was, Malcolm Brogdon's last season there, like having all the, uh, between Bledsoe, Brogdon, obviously Giannis was, you know, MVP play. Everything was dictated around him. It was like Milton got lost in the shuffle where his touches weren't necessarily the same as it was, Previously, or even, you know, last year when he they kind of, you know, got through this acclimation process with Bud and everything. And I think that similar circumstances has aligned, even though, like, obviously the Bucks don't have it, you know, it's not as talented as starting five, obviously, with Brogdon replacing DiVincenzo. We'll obviously get to that. <laughs> um, but, like, I just think a lot of it just comes out of a rhythm and he's... We wouldn't necessarily it's not like how it was that year where it's like, Okay, Chris, you're gonna be shooting threes and you're cutting out the mid range. Like he's still getting those looks that we've seen from him like all throughout the his career. I just think he's really trying to pick your spots and trying to find his comfort and rhythm has been just super challenging. And it also it's under the backdrop of this season where they're playing literally every other day and he could just be tired like that's the other you know talking about the talking point that no one wants to touch on is that it's like <laughs> the season is a freaking grind <laughs> and everybody's going to have an up and down like whether it's injury or just you know no one's Say for guys like Jokic or I don't know Chris Paul like it's rare that someone is like playing up to their standard like over a 72 game season in such a condensed amount of days and i think all that has contributed to Milton's play. I think obviously some of the other overarching concerns that we've seen from the Bucks the last couple of games, whether it's, you know, the fourth quarter collapses or just whatever, I think it's just kind of, it's such a mental grind at this point that it's just like this, bleh, <laughs> this mess that we've seen. Yeah,
1: and I mean, adding into that is there's hardly any off-season either. So this is like two seasons that they're just playing as one. Um, Sure, there was the long break. I don't know if that did anyone any good, though, considering lack of access to courts. Middleton was one of the players who talked about, you know, quite a lot of time away from basketball during that break last year. I mean, I, I, I just don't think, from my somewhat outside perspective, I think everyone is losing sight of what you've just talked about in terms of the grind and in terms of just how difficult it is to do anything consistently well at the moment. And there is always gonna be a possibility, and this could in like in the book's case or anyone else's case, it could work like for better or for worse, that playoffs start and it's a reset and teams could look very different when it's like okay, we've only got to find 16 wins. We have an idea of how many games we're going to have to play. This is it now. We're not worrying about, you know, just kind of the endless grind. And also, you're not necessarily managing for something, which the books more than any other team, given their playoff failures the last two years, are going to be doing night to night. I mean, they could say they're taking it one game at a time, but particularly at this point, I think they've got 10 games left. Um, They're not going to be
0: either way yes
1: 12 12 you're right um they're not going to be really thinking about much other than hitting stride for the playoffs but what even is that um it's a very weird situation for the second year running it's not ideal but it's what the books have found themselves um but this is the time they're good and there's a lot of other variables to deal with. Yeah, I think it's probably played into some for Middleton, but I do think there needs to be some sort of... I don't know. Maybe maybe recalibration. Chris? Well, I don't think Chris and Bud and Giannis and Drew need to sit down and be like, you know, okay, how exactly is this working? I mean, if that was the case, I think it can only come from Chris, because I think things are generally working pretty well for Drew and Giannis. Um, I mean the other person, of course, could come from his bud, which is okay. I'm concerned about what we're getting from Chris. He doesn't look like himself. We need that to change for the playoffs. But I, I there's another part of this too, which is he has changed his role. It's not even stepping into his own. Like he's averaging comfortable career high in assists per game. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, five point four assists per game. Um. That is something different. It's an area of his game he's improved in. Is that helpful? Sure, that's helpful And the books. Just finding ways to score in the playoffs, but that's very much dependent on where those passes are going to be going to. You know, if if Chris's role in the offense is going to see him pass to Dante in the playoffs, I don't think that's much use. <laughs> like the books, the books are not going to win at all. They could find themselves out pretty early um and i will talk about dante in a second um i'm sure my number one most likely um neither in the heart or the program number one i would say but number one on this list of concerns for me like there's that to me is a feeling i'm having in watching them is there's obviously a clear hierarchy in terms of talent but in terms of distribution of shots, and I guess the timing of distribution of shots, I think there can be a little bit much, too much trust in the guys who are absolutely not deserving of that trust. And if mm. on this roster uh-huh. in particular, in, on this roster in particular, compared to even last year, the year before, I think if the books lean too much into trusting... Dante DiVincenzo, Bryn Forbes, oh. Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis to hit shots. It is going to be so ugly and they're going to flame out.
0: Yeah, like there's I know it's bud ball and you, you want everybody to kind of touch the ball like the, you know, that's how it's kind of largely been. But yeah, it's just you could you can set up things through the flow of the game when it's versus when it's like you're putting the ball on Drew and Chris's hands and it's a pick and roll and they're trapped or like they're seeing just like a lot of defenders come their way and it's just like rinse, repeat, which is, I feel like we've seen a lot lately. And and it's like, like, I don't, it just gets a little like uncomfortable seeing that over and over again. It's like, what's, what's like, where are we going to evolve that part of the, you know uh discussion because we talk about defense endlessly because that's you know how everybody views bud at this point where is the, is the defense evolving is everything changing are they gonna actually like take all these things to heart but when it's kind of reverts back to like the same questions offensively it's it feels a little I don't know I I, I don't want to say help us but it's just like we've seen this story before
1: it's Groundhog day Yes. Again. <laughs> um, I mean, part of it is on Bud, part of that is on Giannis and Chris and Drew, but the reality is, like, they now have three top-tier players. Uh, I'm not getting into debating exactly where Chris and Drew fit on that. We're just, like, in a very general sense, they have the closest thing to three stars that they've had. And I find myself pining for certain kinds of players wishing they were on this roster and honestly I like there were some decisions that were made in the offseason player types I wasn't convinced about I'm no more convinced now even though I think consensus is generally higher um than it was then but also much higher than I am still on a Bobby Portis on a Bryn Forbes I I watch the books and I'm like they're screaming out for what Tony Snell was when he was there This team, because the the top-end talent is there at three different spots, is actually, like, a guy who, oh, he's only going to take two shots a game, but he's going to give you good defense, he's going to move the ball, and he's going to know where he should be, where he shouldn't be. Yeah, Pat is probably the closest they have to doing that.
0: Yeah, like, I don't think that...
1: What would happen if if Tony Snell was on the team and you could plug him in instead of Dante? I think the team is so much better. There is just... Mm -hmm. Dante is just good enough to hurt the books much more (laughs) is really where I'm at right now. He's just good enough that they're going to let him do a little bit more. He's going to himself talk himself into doing a little bit more. And then everyone's going to be there like, what is he doing? Where if it was a Tony Snell or this is more in terms of, I guess uh, a wider view of Bud than what the books got last year, given his age, but Kyle Corver, again, as just, you know, they need shooters. If Bryn Forbes would just do that, maybe do less of stepping in, putting his foot on the line. Um, See, that's it, it, it goes against what we've kind of trained ourselves at a certain point, because we went down like the Tony Snell road. And Snell was very good for the books. I think most people liked him. But there was also a realisation that, you know, well, this isn't working. And then Brogdon really broke through. And that's when Snell became expendable. And you're saying, oh, this is what we could have. And yeah, they could have had it. They did have it and they let it walk. And Dante was supposed to be part of the solution to that. But Dante just isn't that. He just isn't. And asking him to be that or giving him a long enough leash to try to be that is very, very concerning.
0: I think that's the last point that you just said. The the leash of it, where, granted it's the Hawks game, it's second time of back-to-back, they look absolutely tired. I'm not excusing how that game collapsed at all, because it's beyond belief. <laughs> just how it just, like, came apart so suddenly. But, you're just, like, crying out for, like, why? If, you, if Dante's not, like, Normally this ball of energy, he's literally making routine mistakes about like forgetting who to cover. Bogdan Bogdanovich hits a three with like, you know Bucks players it's in a the good player, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Is he a free agent soon? Uh, what? Is he a free agent soon?
1: Yeah. Do you have any idea his contract details?
0: Um I don't know. I think he's I think he signed
1: with the Hawks last off season, I was about to
0: okay. say that summer. Good for the Hawks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Who wouldn't just have been in the mix walk. for that one?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's strange. Um, there is there is something I think about with that too. I wish I had the quote to hand. I even remembered where he said it. Do you remember? You will probably remember around Ulster... Yanis was talking about Dante, and he came up with a really over top, over the top comment on Dante, like being the team,
0: and yeah, what they the need him
1: of- to do. He is the heart of the team. I think we need major, you know, open heart surgery is really <laughs> where things are now. I mean, I, that's that's where I'm a little concerned about just how long the leash is because that. Comment sticks out in my mind, in that it's not just Bud; it's when he's on the floor, his teammates believe in him. Now, obviously, that's 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 a positive thing. It, it's better. They believe than they in they just him so much so so
0: that they don't yeah. run in transition, and he has all these one-on-one transition opportunities. I, it's like I'm going to like clockwork. Orange my eyes and watch like every. Dante transition play, and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> I uh, I cannot believe it. It's so bad. he is
1: and that that goes back years that he is one of the worst finishers I've ever seen. Yeah, but it's I remember worse. us like two years ago. Oh, I know it has. But we talked about this like two years ago. Um as a rookie when not, neither of us were pretty crazy about him early on, but like, oh he's good, he does some stuff. Why can't he like can like any score layups though what's that about uh, yeah,
0: he's taken he's taken a page out of Eric Bledsoe's book in that regard that that's
1: I'm gonna say something that I'm not gonna say too often I probably haven't for a while but that is very very unfair to Eric Bledsoe <laughs> Eric Bledsoe could finish layups um, yeah I, I mean I just I don't know what they do I'm aware, I think we've got a question coming up. I'm aware there's been some, you know, Dante or Bryn talk, and oh. it's like. Does it matter? That is literally <laughs> pick your poison, but it's the books have to drink the poison themselves. It's not pick your poison, is usually, you know, for an opponent. Um, opponents would pick either, you know, yeah. they'll be fine with either. Bryn Forbes is just not that good. I, the books do not have good options here. Dante may still be the best of their bad options, but at this I point, know. I I go I on. Say Pat. I I think he is the best of the various options, but is Pat at the two? It's not for me. Not it's not it's I'm, not
0: great, but it's Not for me
1: think... this season in playoff games, but I. Like, just generally, I think their better options are going to trend bigger. Yeah. And this is a problem then when so much of what I think they've geared up for this season and so much what a lot of people feel is them actually gearing smaller. Because I think you could make a case for Pat. You could make a case where you could find find more minutes for Tucker, which again, Tucker, like, he he is going to fit the Tony Snell thing I was talking about. Yeah, because he's, he's just he... going to... He's going to play to his role. He's not going to get out of that, and that's not going to hurt the team. If he misses his corner trees, it's not great, but that's fine. That can happen, and he's out there to take them. It's just It it comes back to, I think, you don't want to see Chris. Chris has all these assists. He's maybe not scoring as easy. He's going through a bit of a funk. I don't want Chris to be being like, oh, there's Dante all the time. That's just like... Everyone wants that. There's not a team the books are going to play. Like, that is number one choice. Like, you could be giving it to Brook Lopez in the post. It could be Giannis, Chris, or Drew. Are you going to let Dante shoot? I mean, one of the things, too, and again, when I think about this, I come back to certain moments with him. Um, big turning point for me, and I, I think one of the big ones for us, was uh, his game last season, not long before COVID, against the Lakers. Yep. Where he started to create off the dribble and he was like pulling up and knocking down mid range shots. I was like, who's this guy? If he can do this, this is perfect. He's the player they need. He cannot do that. No. He cannot do that. And he's, he's having a better three point shooting season. It's, it's fallen yeah. off compared to where it was, but I think he's still 38 ish. Um, Which... I should have them here. Which is good. Um, I know he yeah. was like at 43 for a while, but if if you had offered any Books fan before the season, 37.8%. Okay, he is tumbling fast, which considering where he was. Like, let's see if I go last 15 games. 35.5. Mm. Not trending the way you want it to. But what's the real problem? The real problem is, and it's not like... There's tons of reasons to be like, oh, here's someone's field goal percentage anymore. We've got better ways to quantify things. Dante DiVincenzo's very, just, you know, plain, old-fashioned, simple field goal percentage tells you a lot of the problems. It's 41.5%. It's just, it's not going to work. We know why that is. It's because he gets, like, vertigo if he gets too close to the book. It's just like... The higher up the court he gets, he gets dizzy, he falls over, loses balance. Do you want to guess Buck's players? I was going to call this a fun game, but this is actually not a fun game. This it's is fun for the us. opposite of a fun game. <laughs> Who've got a worse field goal percentage than Dante? Probably Diakite. It's probably like all like... Correct. Point one only. But the Akita is correct. There's one uh, other player Merrill? still on the roster. No, uh, Mer- Merrill. You'd be pleasantly surprised. Forty-eight point
0: four.
1: Um, is Merrill the answer, Jordan? <laughs> is it Teague? No, he's forty-three point four. In spite of being Wara. No, it's not. I won't be. I won't lie. This isn't great, right? But again, if he can just stay out of there, it'll be fine. PJ, PJ Tucker, thirty six point four percent.
0: He's not known for you
1: know forty percent from from tree though. So yeah. Um. But the thing is, Dante is like supposedly dynamic, and he does have a change of pace where he could put the ball on the floor and attack. It just always goes wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I like. I just there's a there's a flaw yeah. in the construction of the roster and. Part of me says, I don't know if they could have known that. The other part of me says, they may have basically traded Dante Di only for it to fall true. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, that particular play, which I feel like we'll be talking about again, is that is this that Bogdan, Bogdanovich guy we were talking about a few minutes ago? No, I think it's Bogdanovich. Oh, it's the other one. All right, that's Um, like, uh, do I need to say what he brings? People saw that, right? So, yeah. The other thing is, and I'm not, yeah, so... I'm not an advocate for this, and we've talked before, but I think Jordan Moore is really good. There's something there. And it's just, again, it's not, you can't just at this point be like, well, Dante is a disaster. So 12 games to go in the regular season. Jordan, you're up. <laughs> you're going to be in a, in a nine man playoff rotation because everyone else is terrible. We're going to, I don't even know who would be playing the two then. Um, but he can shoot in a way that Dante just can't. Like, there's something kind of, when Jordan Moore comes into a game, usually in garbage time and he just starts flinging and they just start going. You're like, Ooh, okay. There's like a, there's a bit of microwave kind of shooter there, which is not. Have I already I
0: have I already pivoted towards how the Bucks are not going to be able to pay Jordan Wara in a summer from now? <laughs> yes, I have. I think that's where we're at. I'm sorry, Bucks fans. I think the roster is going to be really expensive. And if he plays at all next year, it does well. Goodbye. We're not going to be able to... We can't... They're not going to afford them.
1: Sorry. Well, they can. They've just got to go into the tax. They've Mm got to do it. I mean... Like, let's take the conversation we're currently having to its worst possible conclusions over the next couple of months. There's no options. It's like, what are you doing? There is no... I don't see how anyone could get away from it. Um... (laughs) It's been got away from before, I understand that. But like it really would be at the critical juncture. I I, how bad could it go? Possibly really bad? I actually don't think it will still. But if it goes spectacularly bad, things could be changing. Like in a in a more I, I don't know, things could be changing beyond just bud. Um, there, I think you'd have to consider some stuff. I think that's for another day. Jordan's looking at me quickly, but I just I, you'd gotta something's not working. And as much as there are lots of gripes with Bud, and I think a lot of them are valid, I also think he is being made a straw man for something that is much greater than just what he's doing, and that is maybe a bigger concern. Because it is great when you've just got one obvious target, we had that once before, where it's clear the detrimental impact of that. There are players with issues, and there are things that just continue to rear their head, and there are issues with just roster build-up. That... Like, firing Bud, just doesn't solve it all. And it doesn't mean that they won't do it, or they shouldn't do it, depending on how things go, but it's, it's something that I think it needs to be considered in step with that. I don't. I don't know. Can they just fire Bud and then run everything else back? Is there a point in that? If this goes wrong, I have no doubt that part of it is going to be down to the collection of role players that are there. Now, maybe they'll be spared from being able to run it back because Portis could opt out, Forbes could opt out and you've got to find replacements, and you've got to go a different way with it. But I don't know. I just think... I I The roster and the bench... I feel like when we were on a Eurostep with Ty and Rowan before the start of the season, this may have come up, and I just trashed the bench. Um, like, I feel no better. If anything, I feel worse. This is a pretty sorry collection of role players
0: yeah i mean i'm i'm more probably um what's the word I, i i'm more a little more optimistic on portis but he has his limitations forbes i i've just i've seen enough i like i understand his use and bucks are always gonna need a shooter like that whether it's him Corver, late stage Corver. I mean, he's. I don't know. He hasn't retired, but like that could be the last we've seen of him in a NBA. Oh, it likely second. is.
1: Yeah, likely is. Um,
0: um, but like, yeah, they corrected the DJ Augustine mistake. They traded Torrey Craig for nothing, and he's thriving with the Suns.
1: Who knew Torrey Craig was good? That was my favorite bench pickup of the off. I think
0: that was everybody's, right? I think everybody. Looked at him and be like, "That's the,
1: the." There was a lot of Bobby Portis love, which made me uneasy from the start. I honestly, I'm, I'm never. I don't think I'm ever gonna do like a, I told you so about Bobby Portis because I think the moment where it goes wrong with him is gonna be far too sensitive and fragile for anything like it's life. also. I think it's also.
0: it's he's like, I don't know. He, my thing with him is like, what role if Brooke can't play a playoff series where you know, the Bucks are switching and they're playing smaller. Like, same goes for Bobby. Like, he, yeah. he doesn't really, he's more of a willing, I don't even know if that's true than compared to Brooke, but like, they're so alike in terms of their skill set and limitations in terms of how they're going to be used defensively that everything that applies to Brooke's role applies to Portis. And what role is he eventually going to play For me, I think his greatest asset...
1: I think his greatest asset, which this is part of what distresses me, is that it's just that you know he's going to shoot a lot. So if things are going really poorly, it's like break glass in case of emergency. So if other players start to get passive, better players... They're then just gonna give the ball to Bobby Portis, and he's gonna shoot it on. And that is, that is not what they should do. I don't know if that's any kind of situation anyone wants to see. But he has these heat check moments still, and it just, ooh. Uh, I don't, I don't see the point in it. I really don't it's not taking away the fact from like, has he been good at what he can do this season? Sure. Is that something that's going to get you like, I don't even say win a championship, get you closer to beating the Sixers or Nets in a series. I just absolutely not like they're, they're going to love seeing Bobby Portis on the floor. The other, the one thing I will say on him, right. Is he obviously has uh very famous and well-documented competitive edge. Like, he's a hard-nosed competitor. A lot of people have been very quick to be like, look, look what a change of scenery. Look what positive surroundings do. Bobby Portis is good now. Don't think that's true, but... Maybe, maybe he could be a big playoff overperformer. These guys are out there in pretty limited kind of skill set role players they are out there where they're just like this is it this is my whole life i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna run through walls i'm prepared to die out there and you know well, still won't be quite as much of a factor likely this year but you know the kind of the crowd energy energizer the momentum changer yep think of ton maker in game two against the celtics that? what that was three three game three um, yeah, first two games are in Boston. Um, that kind of effect, except, obviously, he's better than Tom Maker. but uh, is he better than, like, crazed playoffs Tonmaker? Like, is Bobby Portis gonna he's, <laughs> roll off five blocks? Players. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're both players where you're just waiting for it to go wrong. It's like, I feel like, You can only enjoy, you know, the good time so much because you're always looking over your shoulder, being like, "Yeah." Um,
0: But I think that's. I think you hit on. In the event that he's, you know, has a crazy run in the playoffs, it's like setting up the stage. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be. I'll I'll decline my player option. I'll probably get whatever money he's gonna get from another team and free agency. Like, he he seems. If it goes, according to the Bucs plan, he's primed to be like the, the launchy pad towards a bigger deal that he wouldn't have gotten this year, though he says otherwise.
1: Good. Good for him. I mean, yeah. go get that money. Um, He won't get it from the books, nor should he get it from the books. But if he earns a big payday and has had a good season and if he does possibly contribute in the playoffs, good. I mean... I think that's the most everyone could ask for. I mean, he's exceeded my expectations. My expectations were like on the floor, but they've been comfortably exceeded. I'm just curious to see curious, maybe curious is the wrong word. Um, we'll see what comes next. We'll, we'll just, we'll see. I don't, Pat is the interesting one because Pat just this season has found some level of consistency There's something there that's working. If he could just stay down and not jump on every pump fake still, there's still just a little bit too much of that. But what are we talking about? We're talking about Pat Connaughton as an answer for a team that wants to get out of the East. There's so much I love about this team, and I'm still overly kind of... No, I'm not overly optimistic. I'm still more optimistic than I am pessimistic about where the next couple of months will go for the mm-hmm. books. But I, I do just think it's get beyond your three best players, possibly Brook, who it's been up and down, but you have a sense of what he is, what he can give you. Um, It would be no surprise if he comes up with a massive defensive game or if he comes up with a massive offensive game in a a playoff series and wins you a game like he's there he's a part of it go beyond those four guys though and it's like you're gonna need found money every night and it's gonna have to come from different places most likely every night and part of that then just comes down to like is your luck in you know if your luck's in guys are confident you get rolling well then someone steps up night to night game to game and anything's possible but you could just have like five relative no-shows for every game, and then it's impossible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's it's going to be a guessing game and try to ride the hot hand, which for whoever is has it rolling that on a given night, that's, that's essentially where we're... I think that's where we have been this season, as even through the ups and downs, but it's going to be even more relevant in, you know, three weeks' time or four weeks' time.
1: If the books are in a series where things aren't working with Brooke, they're going smaller, and so that takes Bobby Portis out of play somewhat too. Is that just Tenasa's time to shine? Like, is that seems to be their only?
0: They throw on like two the... ball handlers too. Like, he, yeah, he's but just
1: even him, him coming into the game. I mean. I guess it it could just lean heavily on Tucker. We'd have to see how much Tucker's gonna be able to handle that though. I mean that's still part of that is like Will PJ Tucker be available and healthy throughout the entire playoffs? If the Books are to get to the finals, are they gonna be like, Oh, we've had PJ Tucker there for us every game? Gotta think probably not.
0: I don't know. I, there, it's I just I think, think the they... whole
1: thing is constructed pretty weird other than the bench, what are we, is it Bud? Is it Brooke? Are you perfectly happy with what you're seeing out of Giannis and Drew? What's the, where would you kind of otherwise be putting major question marks? I mean, there's obvious ones over Bud based on what's happened before, but is there anything new or anything specifically you're seeing there that's changing either?
0: Yeah, I think it's, the, the Bud kind of question of how much of what we have seen from them this season is it going to not just translate but is it actually be put into use in the playoffs i think that's kind of the big (laughs) the big question that bud is facing and i mean his future in milwaukee certainly hinges on that um you don't go through a 72 game season trying to do all this new stuff that you know, we've seen Bud do in Atlanta, but when it comes to his time in Milwaukee, it's certainly different. Um, you don't go through a seventy-two game season as crazy as 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 it has been, and make all these roster changes and everything like that, and just kind of revert back to what feels comfortable um, for him. And you know, it, that still has its uses. Obviously, there is going to be series, if they play against Philadelphia, if Sandy's fish the way it is right now. If they're playing against the Sixers in the second round or even, if, you know, somehow they miraculously beat them in the East Conference Finals, like, we're going to see a lot of, you know, the traditional Bucs system and how it's set up that way. But, yeah, I think that's kind of the, you know, the elephant in the room. But other than that, I mean, I think that's largely it. You know, the health right now, they, it's knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood. It's trending towards a very positive direction more so than I would say we've seen the last two years. I mean, obviously COVID, you know, shut down where they were last season, even before that, Giannis hurt his knee brought the injury the year before that. And just kind of piecing, trying to get into the final stretch around and just be as healthy as they could be. Like, I think it's that, at least from that aspect, I think we're seeing a, a different side to it that, you know, we hadn't seen previously.
1: Are you sure? Do you, I mean, are we sure Yanis isn't still somewhat managing something? Or that Chris, for example, isn't just kind of managing something? It's hard to know. I'm sure everyone is. It happens at this point of the season, everyone is. And then the toll of the past 24 months probably adds to that. But yeah, look, I take your point. I mean, in the most obvious way possible, it's currently knock on wood better than it could be the thing on bud just to say on that is like part, part of my thing for bud for the playoffs will be i it, it's not necessarily that i want him to see to, to see him put in practice what he's done this season it's i want to see him put in practice just what's suitable for the moment so mm-hmm. if last year's drop defense is right for a game a moment series i want to see that if personnel change and then it's better to switch or it's better to go zone like that's that's the part of it and we need to see it game to game but we also need to see it you know minute to minute and time out to time out and quarter to quarter like that's the thing i i don't think the answer for the books is to just be like well we don't do this anymore or this hasn't worked. So we're just going to do this. To me, this season has been about showing enough of everything, getting enough reps of everything that when the time comes, you can, you can do it all, you know, to some extent you can pick your moments, pivot back and forth between them. Like that's the thing. I just don't want to see him be rigid. And there's no real reason for him to be based on how the team is now kind of coached up. Um, I don't think it's entirely about the personnel, so I won't say equipped, but I think coached up in terms of what they've put into practice throughout this particular year. So for me, it's not going to be like, if this wouldn't be me anyway, but it's not going to be like if it's game one of the first round and we see a drop defense and they're burned a couple of times, or, you know, it's not going to be, that's not the end of the world. It's about that they're, trying to identify and pick what's best for any given moment, any given opponent. And then that they're now flexible enough to adjust on the fly in games for that. Um, and part of that is even just to throw teams off. Like that's the whole purpose of going zone, something that the books hadn't really done under Bud, although they certainly were getting more than their fair share of looks at other teams going zone and throwing them completely out of their rhythm um that's that's it for me it's it's not just i want to see more of this i want to see less of that it's well can we see all of it when the time is appropriate for each different element and that's that's a big ask that's the most you can ask of any coach but i i do think the books are closer to being able to do that this year bud is the closest he's ever been able to being do that um like they put the work in so They've got to trust it, and if it if it doesn't pan out, which is very possible, well, there's something else at play, which I think there may well be something else at play, which could come back to, well, what exactly is the roster? What are, like, who was there too much on? What, where were the mistakes made over the years, and how can they possibly look to rectify some stuff now? That would all have to be considered then. But I just want to see basically the full menu you know pick and choose and be able to change from one to the other like that is the key thing it's about being flexible it's about adjusting not like one major adjustment it's about making all the smaller adjustments that most teams generally look to make in the playoffs
0: yeah definitely I, i couldn't have said it any better than myself or could I have said it any better myself? There we go. You,
1: you okay. just proved it. Yeah. It's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, for some reason, having a tough time getting words out today, too. So, I don't know. we were used to it, though. People are used to it. Us, words, don't always go well together, Jordan. But here we are all these years <laughs> later. Um, Let's jump to the mailbag. There's a lot of stuff that I guess we've touched on. We can dive into some other questions, too. From at O F. Brian or Dante?
0: Again, my cop-out answer is, does it matter? <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah. If I've got two. I've got two answers. Maybe three. We could go with three. Malcolm Brogdon. Bogdan Bogdanovich. And Austin Rivers. They'd be my, my three picks. austin rivers why not why did that not happen why why i mean the dia i think could work out well from the long term i'll be honest i'm not just kind of i'm not giddy right (laughs) i'm not that easily excited by just a young player who's got some skills i I'd be lying if I said I think Diakite is going to be anything of substance for the books over the course of the next X many years. And if he is, it's going to work out great. But I think the odds are certainly more stacked towards him not being that and being just kind of the latest player that there's been a two or three week spell where Bucs fans get really excited about him and then he's playing on another team the next season. I just don't like when we talk about what's missing, I think Austin rivers could have plugged that two guard spot as a starter, as someone who solid defender, solid offensively, given the ball he can create, he definitely would finish better than Dante, but he doesn't necessarily have to be like overly active. He's just going to literally be a facilitator. He's going to facilitate the ball moving from Giannis to Chris sort of thing. Um, I think that was just like a no brainer. It was right there for them. They were supposedly on course to do it and it didn't happen. And maybe you've seen different, you can correct me, but it seemed like a lot of people were really excited about the Diakide move. To me, it's kind of like, how is that? How is that like working in concert with everything else they're looking to do in the next couple of months? How is that of any help to them? How is that seeking a final piece? if it works longer term, well, then it's great. And, you know, I'll tip my hat and say there was great foresight. But the books have some really, really important stuff coming up right now. And there was a player there who could have helped them. Didn't go for it. Yeah, I mean,
0: like, I, I mean, the whole River situation, just kind of the pivot, whether, how real was it? um when it was first reported by shams um like where mm. where was it at that time or was it just like this i don't know terrible smoke screen that they were like oh we rather have jeff T instead that I, I like i i have no idea how um that all unfolded and it's not like the first example that we've seen since the whole bogdan uh Saga in itself too, that we. It's seen not the first like...
1: example we've seen since Horse came to power.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's I, I made that
1: sound very ominous. Horse came to power. <laughs> no <problem. It's>
0: just... <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just I don't know. I mean, he certainly would have helped. I I was certainly bullish on uh, what he could bring to this team, and obviously they decided to go in a different direction. But as it relates to the original question, I think. Dante is giving the Bucks, you know, obvious problems right now. Brain gives them a, a different set of problems that we've seen all season long. Like, it's not, there's no. And as much as I have said, you know, even Pat can, you know, worm his way into the discussion. He also has his bout of inconsistencies. It just kind of just for where we were just a couple years ago and how we talked about like, oh, look at the this the Bucks' wing depth are, you know. Rock is more of a combo guard, but you know, kinda that second side playmaker or secondary guard, whatever you want to call it, like it's just thinned out terribly. And they're picking at straws on who who can really step up. And that was obviously a strength of like Bud's Hawks teams in that they had this kind of endless reserve of of wings, whether it was like Tim Hardaway Jr., Kent Bazemore, Damari Carroll before he, you know, got paid. Like I guess that's the kind of the the nature of the NBA. You, and the obviously after you know Buddy Brogdon walk and he goes to Indiana, but like they they just haven't been been able to find a long term answer at the two spot, and it's obviously come home to bite them right now.
1: Like the answer for me is Dante because he's the heart of the team. No one is calling Bryn the heart of the team. Like, I'm being facetious, but I'm also being honest. Like, he's got inbuilt chemistry with those guys, and the numbers reflect well on him with those players compared to how they do with Bryn's out there. I, I think it's still Dante, and right now there's not a whole lot to feel good about. Now, maybe Dante rediscovers something, finds something that looks like his best, but I mean... It's getting to a point where it's just like, well, what is that? Like, if we were to say Dante is going to have the best two months of his career in the playoffs. First, I'd say great. That's encouraging. My next question would be, so what does that actually mean? Like, what does that look like? What is that like just very marginally better than like or is I I just don't know. Like, I don't know what what we're waiting for. And it is uh, like, this is part of the issue for me when they first drafted him. Um, He is a kind of player. You know, who was another one? Rashad Vaughn was another one that I don't see the utility in because they're not necessarily going to be good enough to thrive with the kind of play style they naturally have are the kind of play style that would have worked for them in college. And that's where someone with more limited skills can often excel over more talented players in the NBA is because there's just, there's just this difference that you can never quite catch up. So Dante has just, again, just enough kind of good stuff about him to hurt you even more. Like that's, that's been part of the thing from day one. He's not talentless, It's not hard to see, like, enough good signs where it's like, oh, well, this could all click and he could be this. Like, we have certainly gone down that rabbit hole over his time with the books, And that comes from a point where we were both very down on him to begin with. And I would say are probably... Well, I'm very down on him now. I won't put words in your mouth. Um, But he's still the guy for them. And that should terrify everybody listening to this. <laughs> From at air underscore dive, over under in weeks, the Budenholzer will be fired. I've I've no idea. I've no way of answering this. Like Just he
0: just uh the trades tell me he, he just bought a a condo in the third ward. So <laughs> remember how
1: So you're going somewhere in the region of like sort of serious question. Did we find out if that was one of Pat's? I don't think so. I'd hope not. <laughs> There's a lot that's uh, not great about that to begin <laughs> with. But if, if there was kind of discount deals for the coach to get a place from, you know, bench player. Um, I mean, Bud will probably get fired if they don't make the conference finals. And he could get fired if they make the conference finals and don't put in a really strong competitive showing. If you want to use that for weeks, you can. Um, I do think there's something just a little kind of myopic about the focus on Bud, though, because I think it's, it's wishful thinking. I think it harks back to the kid days where the coach was like, it was so obvious the coach was the problem. The coach isn't the only problem here. I think they've got major problems with the way their salary is. Um, In that they have no space, and they haven't been able to hit in drafts. And we're seeing that because what they have found in drafts, they are having to use. Like, Dante is the, the fifth starter. Like, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem, and it doesn't... Like, there's no clear path to it, considering, like, draft picks, forget about it. It's, like, it's not really much of a concern for the books for Tua. Like, they're currently on track for, what, the 31st pick this year?
0: Yeah, they yeah, the last I checked it, it's still there, because I think the Rockets are just sliding in despair even further.
1: 31st pick is a good pick. You're not going to find your fifth starter, most likely, with the 31st pick, though.
0: I would give, like, I mean, considering their track record, I would lean on their second-round picks.
1: <laughs> I, the- I agree with that, but I think over time that has become that's just right. less worth even talking about because they haven't given themselves chances to pick in the first round. Yeah. You know, I just, over time, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. I haven't seen much to say otherwise, but, like, uh, there's no evidence to... I feel like it's just being kind of oblique. It's not quite giving a fair shake of it to the books, in part because they've just traded them all away. Like, eventually, if they had all those picks, they would have just, whether by accident, they would have found someone. Uh, and they didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we'll have to... We'll have to see what what happens with that. Um, from an MK, Robert, do you think Drew, Yannis and Chris are still figuring out how to play together? They've each played well individually for most of the season, but to me, it feels like they haven't quite clicked into place as a unit. I I think this kind of goes back to our conversation earlier on. I think Giannis and Chris obviously have it going on together. Giannis and Drew have something together. It's just where does Chris fit in with the trio? Like, do you just keep him and Drew? Like, do you stagger Drew? You, you should, particularly considering, again, the guard problems. But then who's starting? Uh, how do you stagger lineups when there's one good guard on the roster? Um, <laughs> it's really difficult to do, Jordan. How do you take the one good guard off and then be like, well, we could go... I as to as to the question. There's something, yeah. There's something there that's not quite meshed. I don't see it as a problem. I think those three guys could just click in the playoffs. I don't think there's any issue with them fitting together. It's just Chris needs to find where he feels comfortable, and it needs to just kind of all fall into place, which it absolutely could, but I don't think it has yet.
0: Yeah, I I think it's still a feeling out process and obviously they've lost games together where whether it was Drew missing ten games because he had COVID and and Giannis's knee soreness, I mean that's another additional six games. I know you know they played close to sixty or yeah, there's twelve games left, they have played sixty games. So you're taking out you're left with forty-four games to go from in terms of try to feel each other out and having a super short training camp and a preseason that was, you know, let's face it, that was riddled with a lot of bigger questions in terms of just the franchise, <laughs> given, you know, Giannis is supermax Like it's just, that's kind of where like, if anything, we, t- I know we talked about a lot where it's like, okay, is this the best year that they have together with Drew on board? And I think I originally said yes, because, you know, he's, this is as he's in his prime, like, you know, you kind of look, go through the usual, well, he's going to just only going to get older, all that stuff. And then I, as the season's gone on, I'm just kind of thinking like, well, so much about the Bucks have changed externally and internally that, you know, how we talked about the Bucks in Bud's first year, we were like, okay, how are they, how are they going to replicate this? And You know, it was going great until uh, you know the world shut down. (laughs) But
1: uh, just like everything else, yeah, that's yeah.
0: The (laughs) ever since then, but like it just kind of, it's just I don't know. It's hard to quantify just how hard it is when even just like adding one big player like Drew Holiday can just change the fabric of the team and how it works and just the overall the stuff that we don't see that's behind closed doors that the Bucks want to keep behind closed doors. Uh, you know, like that's, that's part of what is, makes the season just on top of everything else makes it so hard to judge about like, where is this team essentially? Cause you can grab numbers, both good and bad about like, okay, well this is going great, but then they have, you know, these lapses and it's not all together. The, Roster, be, you know, behind the three top players of on their roster is pretty limited. Like, and all that stuff. And those those answers aren't going to get any better when, you know, you, you go into the tax and you're trying to, you know, thread the needle in terms of finding guys out of nowhere that you think could be helpful contributors. It's, it's going to only get tenser, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds.
1: Yeah, like, I think in theory, if you just had kind of clear runway and you never had to think like this, their best chance to win a title with, like, Giannis, Chris, Drew could be next year, just because of the betting-in process. But the thing is, what does anything else look like next year? (laughs) It's like, and that's where, and how does everyone feel after another year if it goes wrong? And then, if this is the year where it goes wrong and Bud falls on the sword, well then who's in next and what do they do like there is also there is also there's always a possibility that they could hire a coach that is just a disaster like it happens and i'm trying to think of like recruitment processes of such that the books have been involved in in recent years that haven't been complete disasters and they maybe start and end with hiring Bud, like including maybe Bogdan and that. <laughs> um, like it's uh, there's a lot that could go wrong. Things just may not mesh. Let's say the books get in a really good coach. Good coach comes in, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is good." And then, Yanis doesn't like that coach's methods or isn't buying in. Like, we just – we kind of assume that won't happen because of the way he is. But what if it does? I'll, I'll be clear, I'm not putting this as, like, some reason to keep Bud. I'm just saying um, there is always no, a risk. Yes. There's no, like, you just fire Bud and it's better. That's – and that's even aside from the other issues I've touched on. Just from a coaching perspective, it's not just fire Bud, bring in better coach. It's fixed. Like, it doesn't always just work like that. That's and how
0: we talked about that's, kid and Bud and everybody – Part of part of where we are now in terms of the Bud discussion is everybody looked at him towards a savior, and I'm guilty as that myself, considering what we went through and where the Bucks were at that stage of just like they desperately need someone that isn't Jason Kidd and all and <laughs> all his you know problems and just how the organization operated at that point, and then when you put this person on a pedestal who. Has clear success, but obviously, you know, has warts as we've seen as time has gone on. There's this weird, not revolt, but just like he wasn't what he said he was. Where I think it's it just, it's the expectations of just like, I don't know, it's just,
1: yeah. I just think that's so naive, honestly. And I mean, like, I just think there's a lot of people that are very naive. <laughs> And I think part of that is also going to... I'm not excluding myself from that. like I just I ended up kind of tweeting along these lines yesterday. In relation to that uh, Jim Ozarski uh, observation that I mentioned at, at the top of the podcast, it's like everyone thinks they've got to figure it out or that there is just like inherently a logic and a natural progression. And if that was the case, like the Miami Heat don't get to the conference finals last year. you know mm. <laughs> I know there's other stuff in that, but it's just i i I also do think there is a part of well kid was terrible and when it got to a point it didn't work with kid they fired kid they hired bud look at how much better it got now bud is terrible um obviously not my words here but bud is terrible so it's like kid all over again we fire him we get a new guy and we see the same kind of exponential jump yeah it's just not how it works it's like that's that is fantasy and it may come that you've got to take that risk and try and hope that that pays off. But like nothing is that easy. Sports in particular is not that easy that you can just be like, well, uh, this coach isn't working. So we just get the better coach. It's like, this is part of always why my conversation and it, it people, they flip. It drives them crazy. It's like, what? no, don't say who it's not about who like there are my favorite. That's not my job. I'm not the owner, I'm not the GM. It's like, well <laughs> there is there is a really tough thing that comes from the other side of whatever this season is, barring, you know, the probably three percent, four, five percent chance where the season ends with a I don't know, a socially distanced parade. Um and it's just there's gonna be so much that's great in theory that just may not work in practice. It's not a reason to not go for it, but I think people should like be fully aware and awake to that possibility going into the months ahead, which is we may not like kind of finding out just how deep some of these issues run. (laughs) Uh, The next experience, if it's a different coach and it's a different system may not be better. It may not be more fun. It may not mesh with the players as well you just you're opening up like a series of possibilities every time you make a big change like that. Mm -hmm. And they've got to a point now where the margin is so much so much finer than it was when they fired kid. You could fire kid and you could have brought in probably any working coach in the NBA at that time. And there was room for improvement with the players that were already there and with just how like soul destroyed they were. That isn't the case now doesn't mean like you you don't go and get a coach because this one hasn't worked out and its flaws might be too much to overcome but you've got to you've got to fully be kind of come to terms with the reality that if that's the next step the next step after that isn't necessarily winning a championship or being more competitive the next step could be going backwards like that's why decisions like that aren't necessarily easy um how did we get into this? What question are we on? All... Are they figuring out how to play together? Is that still the question bro? <laughs> Must have be been you. I blame you, Jordan. Um, But I just like, there's, there aren't, the answers to all this stuff isn't just there for, you know, guy with a Yanis avatar on Twitter to throw out and be like, I've solved it. It's like, come on. We all know this is not how it works. Like, one, sports are hard. Two, they're like endlessly unpredictable. And the books haven't had the luck go their way in recent seasons. Maybe this is the year it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they never get the look. And they end up another era where it's like the 80s where people look back on it. It'd be worse in the 80s given that they've Yanis this time. But they'll look back and be like, they were a really great team. What happened? What happened is there were other good teams. And some years, you know, <laughs> things like... Well, we can use the real examples. A global pandemic got in the way. A, a season that was finished at Disneyland. Like, weird, weird stuff can happen. So, like, where I'm at, and I I, I like the idea. I don't know. I'm not telling anyone to, or I don't believe anyone will, but I like the idea of... science just kind of taking the next two months, three months, as they come, and being like, okay, we know what's here. We know the good, we know the bad. Let's see how it actually plays out, like when games are played on the court, rather than deciding now like that. It's oh well, Bud's got to go, and then next season with Coach X, they'll be able to. It's just because that's not how it works. The books could be an incredibly flawed team and win a championship, because guess what? There have been flawed teams win championships in recent years. Um, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the greatest you need to, I guess, hit form at the right time and to then get your share of, you know, rub of the green. And that, that happened for the Raptors. Let's remember, which is the closest the Bucs actually have gotten to it, was when they lost to the Raptors in the conference finals. Think of that Kawhi Leonard game seven shot against the Sixers. Think of the injuries to the Warriors that they then ended up playing, like a zombie Warriors in the finals. I don't, as much as I would love to, trust me, I would love to just say, you know, we need to discount that Raptors championship. We don't. That's how championships are won. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's like, when it's your turn, it's your turn. Maybe this year would will be the book's turn, maybe it won't. Jordan, this one, it's from Adam MK Robert again. Do you trust the book's bench? No. <laughs> no. Next question. <laughs> from at MK Robert again. Can you remind everyone that the Bogdan thing was probably never as real as they might think? <laughs> uh, this is kind of like my favorite sort of thing to do. This is like when I don't know Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki. Um you know just as much as all those players you know weren't actually the books couldn't have it's not oh, the books here, look at OG Ananobi. Look at Norman Pell. Norman Pell would be useful for the books right now. given what we we're talking about. Um, the books did not pick him. They picked him on behalf of the Toronto Raptors. So there's always a weird thing that goes on with this. With Bogdan. Uh, I don't know what I said about this at the time. Because who knows, Jordan. I, sometimes I say some stuff. I know we did discuss, and I think probably our last episode before our extended hiatus we ex- we uh, discussed bogdan's agent's history uh which is interesting to say the least his clients and their free agency deals and some of the bumps that they've hit uh marquise morris was one right
0: yes um with the
1: spurs there was someone it? else. So I can't oh, uh, bielitsa Yes, Nemanja Um from, from stuff I heard at the time and from piecing things together, I think were the books interested? Were they trying to get Bogdan Bogdanovich? Yes. Was a deal ever done to the point where we were all talking about it and discussing it and celebrating it? Probably know where the books played um, by his agent, maybe more than anyone else. Like, I don't know, months later, when you look at that, right, and when particularly after your day, who won from that whole fiasco? Bogdan and his agent. Like, nobody else won. Yeah. There is no other winner. The Sacramento Kings They're didn't Hawks. win.
0: At this point,
1: well, yeah, sure, but that's (laughs) kind of just tied to Bogdan. But I mean, the Sacramento Kings did not win. Nope. The books did not win. And did it hurt Bogdan that there was this whole thing out there about his close relationship with Yanis and Tanasis and the books fans, even where, you know, they were doing PR work for Bogdan and his people in just pushing it everywhere, and then it became a thing, and, you know, the books were obviously interested. There to me I, I think there was definitely an element of leverage play. I think they definitely fumbled it too. Um but all of that stuff comes together.
0: And you miss out on Austin Rivers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it it just may not have been like I don't know if it was 14 inches.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe it was like...
0: They're in the red zone. Not even. They're looking at kicking a field goal. <laughs>
1: I don't know if it was that far out either. Uh, but maybe give a couple of yards anyway. You know, I mm-hmm. I don't think it was probably as close as everyone will forever choose to remember it being. And books fans will, will be as guilty of that as anyone. Uh, I just... My feeling on it at the time, and it certainly checked out with anything I heard at the time, was it was a very messy and complicated situation. Who could who could have guessed the Milwaukee books would have found themselves involved in a situation that ended up very messy and complicated? Um, but that's that's my read on it. So yeah, I think people should probably remember that, but also. I won't dismiss it out of hand completely. I'd love to say it was entirely made up fake news. Uh, the books were never signing Bogdan, but I, th- I don't think that was the case. It's somewhere in the middle. Would you agree with that? Would that be... Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's something I don't... I mean, yeah, I would like to see Bogdan Bogdanovich on the box. but uh, I just... It's... it's when it... We're—I mean—we're not that incredibly far removed from it, but it's like I don't lose sleep over it as much as probably other Bucks fans probably do. At this stage. <laughs> give
1: it a few weeks.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point.
1: <laughs> give it a few weeks. Um, when the books find themselves in a second round series, that might be being optimistic. Um, I, I actually well, when could the books play? Yeah, second round, really, would not? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we didn't actually mention concerns. One, one concern that I think should be there is just how weird the Eastern Conference standings are and what the playing tournament could do. Like, I know the the Knicks and Hawks are, you know, quote-unquote good now. <laughs> um, I still am not at a place where I'm like, you know, give me the Heat or Celtics in the first round over them, and I'm very happy with that. Mm-hmm. Any feelings on that? I'm right there with you. i rather
0: <laughs> i like looking at all these teams like whether it's Knicks, Heat Hornets are kind of uh, I think they're the 8th seed but they're kind of like a, I think a game back after last night.
1: If you write, if you write the Hornets off now they're going to come and absolutely shellack the Bucs.
0: Well that's the out. other thing like they I mean they've been a terrible matchup for the Bucks over Bud's time. And I, don't, I I know Borrego went to Charlotte at the same time. It's the Spurs background, I guess, that kind of overlap. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that doesn't – all. it's not that desirable. <laughs> but then you're just like, okay, pick your poison between Boston and Miami, two teams that have – you've played in the playoffs, have won, you've conquered over in thrilling well, fashion,
1: the other. Well, one team. Yeah, okay, sorry, I – I thought you were talking generally. I was like, no, yeah. No. Yeah.
0: the other uh, two, literally two sides of very them.
1: different coins, right?" <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's but even it's, like the Celtics, which I know you've always been dismissive of, and they're clearly not as good. They are at least playoff tested, and they, they've got players yeah. who could show up and play well in big games, although they haven't generally against the books over the years.
0: Yeah, and they they will give them problems. I mean, they always have, as much as I've. Welcome, welcome the the challenge. It's still something that you don't necessarily want to go or embrace or anything like that or see over a first round matchup. But yeah, it's not it's not a advantageous first round matchup considering who's kind of in play for six at this stage.
1: From at DJ Abidi, so understanding that the main narrative surrounding his team is that the regular season record doesn't matter. What do you think the books have learned or improved on in the regular season that will impact the postseason? Help books fans remain sane during the regular season. I just think they have more options. They're options schematically rather than personnel, but i I do think they have more options.
0: I would agree with that. I think that's that's where they're at the at this stage.
1: What we will learn is like what has killed them? <laughs> mm-hmm. What has killed them in recent years? Was it personnel or was it scheme? I don't, I think the scheme excuse is going to disappear across the board. I would be a little bit alarmed by that because then it might just be like, oh, who'd I guessed these guys were the problem all along kind of thing. Um, But I, I there's a reason it's going to be different. And I think that's the reason for book fans to feel good. Like there is just kind of a contradiction in this that obviously everyone would feel better if the book's, had like a 50 and 10 record right now. And with the juggernaut that they'd been the previous two seasons in the regular season, like everyone would feel better while also being like, well, it doesn't actually matter, but just there's something more calming to that. They're going in a different place. Now, can they be, and why can't they be like the heat of last year? Why can't they be a team that's just like, Oh, these are now, you know, lots of experience in the playoffs. They can turn it up a notch and, like really cause teams that in theory should be better than a problem. I mean, that's kind of exactly what you're hoping for the books to be in a second round series kind of context, uh, which is if you end up playing the Sixers in round two, they may have had a season where they're going to go in feeling a little bit better about where things are at. You've got a role reversal from last year. Let the books be the heat, you know, and just completely tear through them. And then, the whole thing is on its head. The whole narrative has changed and the books have all the momentum. Like, it's just we won't really know until we get to that kind of point. Mm-hmm. From at Brick 44 Giannis, Drew and Dante have a 12.9 net rating. Giannis, Drew and Forbes have a minus minus point nine net rating. Should Bryn get any playoff minutes? <laughs> Uh, I feel like this is we're being led with the question, Jordan. Um, <laughs> it's good to come with the details, with the facts, with the stats, and that's quite a compelling pace, case you make there, Mister Rusbrick Forty Four.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I don't think. I mean, we'll see some of forums, but I don't think it's. I even as I don't even know how many many minutes he's averaging right now, but I think it's gonna be fewer. Uh, he's just not gonna hold up defensively it's, it's gonna be very obvious right from the start even when it's in the first round that opposing teams are just gonna be like oh Brent Forrest is gonna be on the the floor let's you know have him try to close out or just get him moving or like he just he's such a very limited defender um and con- contributor outside of his shooting but that's yeah i i just don't see many playoff notes coming this way and if there are that's i don't think that's a recipe for success
1: i should add there was a follow-up also from Russbrick 44 which is also janice chris and forbes have a negative 4.9 net rating janice chris and dante have an 11.9 net rating so (laughs) like the case seems pretty you know open and closed um Somebody has to play, though. Like, this is the reality of it. Someone is going to have to play. (laughs) We could talk about who doesn't play in the playoffs all we like. At some point, you know, more than five players are going to have to play. And we'll see where that goes. I think there are minutes for Forbes in the playoffs. They may need him. But I... (laughs) I just wish they had worked on making him into a different kind of player over the course of the season than I feel like they have.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I would wholeheartedly agree with that, especially just, he's just, yeah.
1: (laughs) From a Rustbrick44, do you have any off-season free agent or trade targets? Absolutely not. I can't, like, we can't have those before we see this season either finish in flames or in a different kind of, a blaze of glory. It's it's finishing in a blaze one way or the other. Um, is it glory? That remains to be seen. But like, the the trade talks could become, if this goes wrong, like, you've got to, Brooke's got to be, you've got to consider trading Brooke, you've got to consider trading Chris, I think. I'm not saying you trade them, but you've got to you've got to just start to approach the whole issue from more angles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you've got to open yourself up to different possibilities because it's going to be something very different. So I just don't even, you just can't even get yourself into the world. You can't imagine it until we actually see how things play out. And then what are you playing with? Like what are the chips that you're prepared to put on the table? Not that there are a whole lot of those chips to begin with.
0: Plus any, any talk of like, oh who would we want now like that could change come playoff time that's everything is so I, whether it's recency bias or just like you know uh yeah recency bias like everything is so dependent on if <laughs> you a, a person can make uh or not like a rich contract based on their playoffs as few as that game you know that sample size is like we see it time after time even last year, where, you know, all these guys, like whether it's the Heat making a run and then, you know, they have trouble retaining Jake Crowder for however many, what his deal was, Jeremy Grant, like it happens year after year. So, and there's players right now that could have success during the regular season that struggle in the, in the playoffs. Montrez Harrell easily comes to mind. Um, there's probably some Bucks players that were going to get paid a little bit more than playoffs they you know, they didn't do all of that well. So, like, I, I think it just changed so dramatically based on how the Bucks will su- succeed or fail in the playoffs and, you know, just the landscape around the other playoff teams in the NBA.
1: From At Goal, Daniel. I again ask if we're going to pine for the loins of another lost gem due to Bud's Tibbs-like affinity for former players. I mean, first, I just dispute that there really there just isn't the evidence i'm sorry like are we talking about jeff teague there weren't a whole lot of other options out there and i don't know how fundamental bud was in choosing teague over rivers particularly when they could have had both um but this tweet comes attached with a screenshot are you ready jordan are you ready for me to read this? yes Wilson posted twenty-five points, ten or seventeen field goals, three or seven three-point, two or two free throws, eight rebounds, four assists, and three steals across forty minutes in Saturday's one hundred and twenty-nine one-sixteen loss to the Nuggets. Now, Jordan, a big quiz for you: Did I just say win over the Nuggets or loss to the Nuggets? I
0: believe you said loss.
1: Okay. And DJ Wilson played the
0: the same, like, in the standings,
1: in the standings, roughly, where are the Rockets in the NBA? I believe they are last. Right. Okay. This to me seems like some grade A tanking. Yeah. This is how you tank. Where even if DJ Wilson plays very well, has the game of his career you're allowing DJ Wilson to go out and do so much that he could have the game of his career. And that's how you make sure you don't accidentally beat the Nuggets. <laughs> From at jules Esk, in a nine-man playoff rotation against Philly or Brooklyn, who plays for the Bucks? minutes distribution? Mine's Drew, Dante, Chris, Giannis, Brooke, Bench, Teague, PJ, Portis, and Pater Brin. I honestly like part of this is gonna be who are you playing against, um. What are they doing with their rotation? Are they going deep like the books? I I know the question is specifically about Philly and Brooklyn, but this is a question that's gonna come into play from the first round,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the books are gonna have to manage it somewhat. That prepare yourself for no matter how things are going, people being like. Giannis is only playing 32 minutes. And because they'll need him to only play 32 minutes in the first round and hopefully, like, sail true because he's going to be needed a lot down the line. I honestly, I don't know. I think Pat has to be in it. I think Teague is going to have to be in it. Was that a good thing? Probably not, but... Like, Dante has made it very clear he can't really be a point guard. I even don't think he can be a point guard defensively now. So if Drew is off the floor, Jeff Teague is going to have to probably be on the floor. Uh, PJ Tucker will be if he's healthy. I guess, like, then it comes down to how are you playing? Who are you playing? If you need more size, it's going to be Portis. If you're going to be playing much smaller, it's going to be Brent. Or maybe Tenassus. Like depending on the matchup and depending what you need, it's not completely off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I, don't think you can just pencil Portis in like that because to your point earlier, if it happens to be a series where Brook is getting played off the floor, well, <laughs> then you can't have him there. And that's the, there's a big difference between the Sixers and the Nets as well. Yes, obviously, very like, much. um. Against the Sixers, well, Brooke is going to be playing, and Bobby Portis is probably going to be playing when he's not there. Against the Nets, what have the Nets got going on? DeAndre Jordan, Nick Claxton? Blake. Come on.
0: He's probably going to play though.
1: If, That's it. A... Yeah, but if Blake's if Blake's playing the five, I mean, put put out whoever you want, books. Like it doesn't matter. you gonna you're gonna it's like a turnstile. From a goal, Daniel. This is directed at me, specifically, is it? Seems to me. Jordan, you're free to answer too, I'd just like to put out there. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your favorite football club loses its goalie for the rest of the season. They sign Giannis to fill the spot. Does Giannis return to the NBA afterwards? Yeah, you'd make more money in the NBA than than as a goalkeeper, necessarily. Uh, I'm a Manchester United fan. I'm not a fan of what they are currently doing with their goalkeepers, which is trying to phase out David De Gea and but Dean Henderson is the number one. A very little fate in that. Um, maybe Giannis would be a better option. I don't think Giannis sees himself as a goalkeeper, though. Yeah. Could could be part of the problem there. Giannis mm-hmm. uh, has frequently talked up his, his footballing abilities, and uh, I don't think he's going to be looking to be a goalkeeper, but yeah, I'd say he'll end up back in the NBA in this very strange scenario because he's making a lot of money. And I don't know even if endorsements, for example, maybe they would, being such a giant goalkeeper, could have some kind of niche marketing potential. But um, you know what? I used to, questions like this, there was a time we would have been like, do we need this question? I like it, Jordan. It's a very <laughs> pleasant change of pace. Uh, a lot of the other questions heavy, hard, enough fun to think about. Thank you, Gold Daniel. I'm not necessarily saying I want their next mailbag to be all like, if Xbox player was to play this sport, <laughs> but uh, you know, once once in a while, it's okay. I think
0: Bryn Forbes would be a good like fencer. It'd be good at fencing. There's no, there's no joke there. I'm just thinking key. It just a
1: sincere thought that you have. He has, like,
0: the movement to be a good fencer.
1: Does he really? I'm not sure. About that. I don't know. <laughs> movement certainly wouldn't have been what I was going to go to for that. Um, I think a good fencer might be able to do a bit more, you know, defensively in terms of movement. Of yeah, he's not a good um, fencer. He's grittier with his... He, he wants to... I don't know. We, just, we, we don't have to spend this current time brainstorming what sport Brin Forbes could be good at. He's, he's good at basketball, yeah. to be fair to him. Yeah. Um, from, lastly, from a GMGT com1052, do you think Dante is as good as Dante is going to get, or does he have improvement in him? Talk about leaving Posada's question of all to last. This is grim. Grim. Jordan? Um...
0: Well, I think the answer is um if the Bucks feel like he has topped out, they have to do something this summer with him. He's gonna he's eligible for an extension. I'm not saying sign him to that extension. I'm saying <laughs> if you're not You never know, Jordan. If you're not if you're not interested in signing him to that extension, I think you're unless if you're hoping for a sign in trade, I don't know.
1: Like I <laughs> What could go wrong? Dante, sign, and trade. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think, I mean, I just don't, I don't know.
1: I think he's probably got improvement in him, right? But it's just like how meaningful that improvement is, how significant, it's hard to imagine it being a lot at this point. And if it's not a lot, well then... It's time to get out of that business. Yeah. He's got the chance. Go have the playoffs of your life, win a championship, and you will get a really nice, cushy contract, Dante. You will go down as a books legend, and you will most likely be absolutely terrible for multiple years to come. (laughs) But we'll all forgive and forget um, but that's the opportunity that is there like go and have the best couple of months of his life he will be loved he'll be adored he'll sign an extension he'll stay at a healthy price one that will cost the owners long term and uh, maybe cost the fans some of their sanity but the pad is there for him like it's in his hands even right now very much so because he's gonna have the opportunity so it'd be a really great time to find out what that improvement looks like. I'm sure there is improvement still there. Like he's still young and he's playing quite a lot. Um but just is it worth it? That's the question the books will have to ask, but they won't be able to answer it until the end of the season. Jordan, that's all we've got. We'll be back sometime soon. Um talk about all things books as we continue to approach with great optimism and excitement the 2020-2021 <laughs> NBA playoffs uh, I, I genuinely feel better than this podcast has now made me feel so I'm sorry if all of you listening feel the same way but look maybe next time we'll talk about all of the reasons why you know the books are going to win the championship right Jordan yes we'll be back that'll be a long pod right three four hours <laughs> is that the true test could we do as long an episode on that as we could on the problems my instinct is no. <laughs> as much as I like. Uh, yeah, it to I think be you're
0: right. be correct in that. <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe we'll try it and find out. Who knows? We'll be back sometime soon. Let's make sure you catch that episode. Uh, False us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Or if you found us somewhere else, great. You can subscribe and stay subscribed there too. We're also on Twitter at win in Six. That's the number six podcast. Follow us there to make sure you don't miss any calls for mailbags, so you can get your questions in, just like these fine folks did today. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.